0: nice to be here tonight, amen? We've got a nice crowd to start with, and uh, we're hoping that uh, it will grow, and that we'll have a good attendance every night, and I hope that you'll be here in your place. Now, we've had a very eventful eventful day, and uh, we had a good time of fellowship with these pastors that we've enjoyed, and um, we've been able to uh, have some fellowship around God's Word It's the Bible we're preaching around here, amen? God's Word, and uh, it never falls or fails because it uh, is an eternal uh, watchman over our souls, God's Word. And I'd like for you to turn with me, please, tonight to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read some there, and we're going to go to James chapter 5, and uh, I don't know where where all we'll go tonight, maybe to... uh, uh, maybe also to uh, 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 to um, Matthew, did I say that? Yeah, we're going to go there first, Matthew, and uh, we're going to look at chapter 6. Now, this is um, the chapter that I preached my first summer out of, in uh, 1952. How many of you were alive at 1952? How many of you? Lois and I, we're the only ones all oh, in back, okay? We old folks remember 1952, don't we? I, I, Of course, after you get so old, you don't have a memory anymore, so it don't make any difference what happened in 1952, because you can forget it, amen? But uh, it's nice to have a good forget. Yeah, it is. Good things about it. Nobody said amen, but there are a lot of things I like to forget. How about you? It's nice because... Uh, you can hide your own Easter eggs. Amen. You can uh, get new, new friends every day. All that stuff, you know. Well, anyhow, it's uh, good to be able to be here tonight. Praise the Lord. Now, I started my first... Oh, by the way, I do want to say thank you for the good uh, treatment I've got around here so far. We had a super supper tonight. Amen. Roast pork. Any of you like roast pork with gravy and... Potatoes. And uh, how many of you did not have supper yet? Let's see your hand. Did not have any dinner yet. I call it supper. Dinner. Okay, well, after service, why, there's all kind of restaurants around here. Eh, Amen. You can get something on the way home. And, uh, well, that was good pork. That old pig didn't know he was so good. He'd have died a happy life if he'd have known how happy he made us with that good pork tonight. And, uh, Julia's a great cook, and we sure appreciate all that she puts into making everybody happy around here. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but food makes me happy. Does it, you? I mean, it turns me on. You feed me before I preach, and I never know when to stop, you know. Amen. I heard about this preacher that was always preaching, and he would get up to preach, and he'd put a lifesaver in his mouth. And he preached with that kind of over in his tongue. Come oh, right back down and uh, it would dissolve at about thirty minutes. So he knew when that lifesaver was dissolved, the time to stop. And one day, one time, he got up and he preached for thirty minutes. He preached for sixty minutes. He preached for an hour and a half. And they said, Pastor, how come you preach so awful long? He said, Well, I reached down in my pocket to get my Life-saver, and instead of getting a lifesaver, I got a button. <laughs> and amen, It didn't dissolve. Amen. So, I got my button tonight, so hang on to the pew in front of you. Amen. Because we're going downtown. But I want to talk to you tonight about gold. Gold. You know, the Bible says a lot about gold. Did you know that? A lot about gold. And uh, I want us to look at... Uh, Chapter 6 of Matthew, my first sermon was right here. I actually preached more on the last three verses than I did on this, but I did preach on this. What they did was they taught us how to make a 30-minute sermon. And I was, it was my time to preach at the, at the college. And uh, I got me three 30-minute sermons already, you know, just in case. And I got up and preached all three of them in five minutes. (laughs) And then uh, I had ten minutes. And so the next five minutes, I just repeated what I said in the first five minutes. And that's the same place where I led the singing my first time. I got up there, my arm up like that, you know, and I couldn't move that thing. It was like the Statue of Liberty. And so I led all the singing like this. And everybody did just what you did. They all laughed. But uh, I was just 18 years old in those days, a long time ago. I'm over 18 now, 1800. Here I am. All right, Matthew chapter six. Let's look at verse number 19. Live for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and where thieves, uh, where and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Good portion of Scripture for the mission conference, amen? Oh, and I do want to congratulate you. For the good work you've been doing and giving to missions. Now, all that money is, a, is absolutely a miracle. And I really want to congratulate you for that. All right, now look at the book of James. You know where James is? It's in the Old Testament, right? Amen? No, it's in the New Testament, right? And you'll find, in fact, what you do is you just go to Hebrews and turn right, okay? You can get there without a uh, cell phone. Okay, James chapter 5. And I'm going to read some now. These are pretty hard, hard verses. I mean, it's, uh, this really hits hard. But it's the Bible, and you listen to it now. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. I'm going to kind of comment on these verses as I go. You know, compared to the rest of the whole history of the world, we're the richest group of Christians that have ever lived. Did you know that? We're by far the richest Christians that have ever lived. And the Bible says, now, weep and howl because of the miseries that riches can bring you. A warning, don't let riches bring you miseries. And uh, that's that's good advice for a lot of people, don't you think? Uh, that uh, they don't know how to spend their money and they don't know what to do with their money. I heard about an old man that died and uh, all of his family had some nephews and nieces and other people came to The reading of his will. He loved cats. The house was full of cats. And it didn't smell like a rose garden in there, you know. Full of cats. And so they all got in his house to read his will. And everybody said, open up the windows. And they opened up the doors and the cats all ran out and all over the neighborhood. And uh, so they got some fresh air in there so they could breathe. And uh, he started reading the will, and he said, I will all of my wealth to whoever will take care of my cats. And everybody was out in the neighborhood going, kitty, 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 kitty. Where's the cats? Where's the kitty cats at? (laughs) But you know what I mean is you can have some misguided attitudes toward riches and money. (laughs) Okay, and says, you better be careful about that. Now, my wife and I have known Some people that have won the lottery and have brought them nothing but misery, and that's what it's saying here. You you can let riches bring misery, is what it's saying. You don't have to, but you can. All right, that's verse two. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver. Now there's that word gold. Your gold and your silver is cankered. and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasures together for the last days. All right, now that kind of describes this person who's going to weep and howl. They've let their silver and gold become their security for the last days. And it really doesn't say much nice in the Bible about people who uh, who do not handle God's blessings properly. And we are blessed people. We're a very blessed people. So I want to talk to you about gold tonight. You know that gold is worth one thousand one hundred and thirty-four dollars and twenty cents an ounce. <laughs> That's a lot of money for an ounce of gold, don't you think? I mean, uh, you know, uh, gold, it, gold stays the same price. It's never changed. But money changes. Gold stays here and money goes up and down. All the people's money goes up and down, but the gold is always the same. And uh, that's what gold is worth. Now, let me ask you this tonight. How many believe, well, I'll say this, no, how many believe that a pound of feathers will weigh as much as a pound of gold? How many of you believe that? Pound of, how many believe that the pound of gold weighs more than a pound of feathers? How many believe that a pound of feathers weighs more than a pound of gold? Well, a pound of feathers weighs more than a pound of gold. Did you know that? Why? Because they weigh gold at Troy weight, which is 14 ounces to a pound, but they weigh feathers at the regular weight, which is 16 ounces to a pound. So a pound of feathers is worth more than a pound, or weighs more than a pound of gold. But it's not worth as much, right? And gold is a, is a very special item. I mean, uh, you know, it's a, I don't have very much of it, so it's easy for me to preach about it tonight. But gold is gold. Amen. I heard about the old people in the nursing home. And they were playing the game about what would I do at the very next time if somebody would walk in here and give me a million dollars. you ever played that game? What would be the first thing I would do if somebody would give me a million dollars? And, uh, well, they had played that game before, but this old woman had never got involved in it. She's just listening, and but one time she thought, "Well, I'll get involved in this." So they were telling them about if I had somebody had give me a million dollars, I would do this, or I'd do that. and they said, "Well, what about you, grandma?" And she said, "I would pay my bills as far as it would go. Well, sometimes we feel that way, don't we? <laughs> it feels like that sometimes the bills are more than you know, gold. Amen. I heard about this man that had all his teeth had him crowned with gold. You ever see anybody with gold teeth? Lois has got one, and I've had one. You've got three of them, three gold teeth. Ooh, we're going to go to town tomorrow. And uh, but uh, <laughs> this guy had all of his teeth gold. The old man starved to death because he didn't want to get them teeth dirty. He wouldn't eat. But uh, gold, amen. Well, the Bible says your gold can canker. And it can... Have you ever heard somebody say you're worth your weight in gold? Have you ever heard that? Well, for me, if I was worth my weight in gold, it would be seven hundred thirty-nine dollars 20 That's what I would be worth my weight in gold. Because I weigh none of your business. That's how much I weigh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, gold. There is, a, there is a Muslim, a Sunni, uh, Shia Muslim leader, the Aga Khan, that they used to always weigh him and give him his, uh, his weight in Gold. Every year they did that. No, the whole family got rich. In fact, the fourth generation is alive today. And that guy that uh, is a descendant of that is a very, very rich man. He owns, uh, he owns uh, uh, properties all over the world. He's got 80,000 employees. That's how rich he is. And it all came from weighing that big old heavy man and giving him his weight in gold. Now, uh, he would eat everything he possibly could and stayed as fat as he could and it ended up, all that fat killed him. So, the, it really wasn't worth it, was it? To let greed be so strong, like James says, it's like a canker. They'll eat on you. And the, you know what? It's easy for us to get to the place where uh, we get so self-centered that we don't think about others. Am I right or wrong there? I ought to have an amen right there. It really is true. It's easy to do that. Why? Because we basically are members of Adam's fallen race, and it's, it's, a, it's, quite, a, uh, it's quite a temptation to be greedy and selfish, and that's, uh, that's not good. Amen? I'm talking about gold tonight, and what the Bible says about gold. And you in the Scripture, the Bible talks about gold really not being worth what we think it is. In fact, uh, you look at uh, Zephaniah, would you? Can you find that? The book of Zephaniah. It's in the Old Testament, Zephaniah. It's in one of the little minor prophets as they call them in the back of the uh, back of the old testament and zephaniah says some things here uh, i think maybe in verse number uh, chapter number 1 and uh, maybe perhaps we'll look at verse number 18 yeah that's it verse number 18 neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Zephaniah, his prophecy, was about the judgment of God in the day of the Lord. And he's talking about here... What should be God's people that should be living under God's blessing and having the joy of the Lord and having an abundance that God... would You know, God wants us to be blessed. God wants us to be prosperous. And uh, sometimes He has to limit us in those things because of us, not Him. I heard John R. Rice say one time, he was a great preacher of the past, Dr. John R. Rice said he dream, dreamed that he went to heaven, and when he got up in heaven, the Lord took him into a room full of wonderful things—a giant room full of wonderful things—and he said, "Lord, what are these?" He said, "These are the things I would like to have given you on earth, but if I had it, it would ruin you." You know, uh, some of that kind of thing we're going to we're going to face someday when we get to heaven, and that. Uh, It really is true that uh, sometimes God has to limit us with things like gold and silver. Not because He wants to. It's because we, it would ruin us. And He loves us so much, He doesn't want to ruin us. And uh, that's what uh, Zephaniah was talking about here. This prophet of God. Uh, You know, sometimes... Blessings can actually, actually be camouflaged to the place where they actually are not a blessing at all. And prosperity sometimes cannot really be prosperity. I mean, America used to be... We, years ago, we didn't have much. I mean, all of us farm people out there on the farm... It was like having a zero with a ring rubbed out. We didn't have anything. In fact, I was in college before my mother ever got water in the house. Think of that. And, uh, and I was the tenth child that Mama raised. And, uh, but you know what? Even with those kinds of lacks in our culture and our people... The churches were full. And gospel was preached all over this country. We didn't have television. We had radio. But the radio programs that had religious uh, pictures on there, they preached the gospel. And they won souls to Christ. And we had a revival in America. And it seemed like the more we got, the more riches we got, the further away we got from God, and you know what? The real value of things is probably we had more good things back in those days than we do now. So sometimes gold and wealth and riches and blessings can actually be a curse. In fact, the matter is, there's a lot of things really more valuable, a whole lot more valuable than riches and wealth. And uh a field uh, full of wheat is worth more than a bag full of gold. And uh, sometimes sometimes we think that there are a lot of things that are important to us, but there are things more important to us. A baby's smile, a lover's kiss, a mother's touch, a heavenly bliss. Good health to enjoy. Friendly hands to hold. Is worth more than a rich man's gold. A lot of things are worth more than riches and gold and things of that sort. In fact, the matter is, the Bible says, The trial of our faith being more precious than gold that perisheth. You know... Uh, even sometimes when God uh, corrects us and works us over, it's, it's actually worth more to us than what we would consider blessings. Because the Lord wants to deal with us and work with us and develop in us the kind of character and the kind of life that can have eternal rewards in heaven. Uh, they're worth more. A lot of things are worth more than riches and gold. Now I'm working on pretty hard on this to get some application at the end of my sermon. And one of the things is we consider worth more than any of that is the fact that that God loves us so much that He takes care of us and keeps us and protects us and loves us. First uh, Peter one five who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, the greatest thing that we could ever have on this earth is the attention of God in keeping us and protecting us and guiding us, even though sometimes He has to correct us and sometimes He has to spank us. Those things are more precious than gold. I mean, uh, my mama and daddy corrected me. And now, I'm not suggesting anything at all about anybody's kids. We raised ours, and we're happy for that. I'm not going to tell you how to raise yours, but I'll tell you how I was raised. I was raised to obey. And if I didn't obey, mama would set my field on fire. In fact, the matter is, my mama had a peach tree at the back of the house, of the back porch, and it was in her reach to break off a limb off that peach tree when she needed it. And she'd take that peach tree limb and she would play Yankee Doodle Dandy on my western hemisphere and I'd see the stars and stripes forever, you know. I mean? And I look back over that and I think, my mama did that to me, but it was because mama loved me and wanted me to learn to be a good boy. And brother, that was a task for me. And I had the old Nick and me about right, I'm telling you. But you know what? God's attention and God's love and God's working to perfect us and God blessing us, it's worth more, it's worth a lot more than all the gold in this world. Why? Because we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. When I was preaching in Ghana some time ago, uh, the man who was in charge of our mission work there said, Brother Clayton, there's been somebody asked me to come to preach at a certain church over here. He said, I really don't know what it is, but I, I absolutely cannot go. Could you go over and preach in my place? I said, sure. I'll be happy to. And we went over there. Somebody took us in a car over there. We got over there, and it was a great big Pentecostal church. There must have been a thousand people there. Now, what am I going to preach in a Pentecostal church? And when I got out of the car, I could hear the pastor say, Our guest preacher is here, Dr. Larry Clayton. And everybody applauded. I want to go to get back in the car and leave. That's for sure. So I got up, and I preached. And I started by saying, people that are deaf uh, have a language of their own, and uh, that language is done, conversation is done with their hands. And I said, now, the word for shepherd in the deaf language is a sheep keeper, someone who keeps the sheep. And I said, I want to preach to you today about the sheep keeper. And I preached on this verse. I mean, my whole sermon changed as soon as I got out of the car and saw what it was. I mean, I was going to preach on eternal security. I was going to give them Baptist sermon. I forget, un-Pentecostals can take a Baptist sermon one time in their life. Amen? And so I got up and I preached to them Pentecostals this Baptist sermon about God keeping us. We're not kept by good works. We're not kept by church denominations or baptisms or anything. We're kept by the power of God. Now, let me tell you something. In my life, I don't know about you, but that whole thing about God keeping me is worth more than gold. And, uh, you know, you can have gold and lose it. But bless God, if you get salvation, you're not going to lose it. Because it's kept by the power of God. I just wanted to establish to you tonight that there are some things worth more than a pound of gold. Worth more than riches. Worth more, and this will surprise you, but worth more than the lottery. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Oh, people are so crazy about this lottery business. Amen. Anyhow, back to our subject. Some things are more precious than gold. Some things are more precious than anything else on this earth. I remember when Franklin Delano Roosevelt, I mean, uh, declared that you could not own any gold. And it was an executive order from the President during the Depression in 19... In fact, it was May 1st, 1933 that he declared that you had to turn your gold into the bank, all your gold. In fact, if you didn't, they could fine you $10,000 and put you five years in jail if you didn't bring your gold to the bank. Now, you people probably don't remember that, or maybe some do, but that, that actually happened in America. And you know what? The Americans were all glad to do it. Although they may have a lot of gold, they were glad to do that. You know why? Because it meant the saving of our country. And so, you see, there are some things worth more than money or wealth or gold or anything else. And that uh, those valuable things cannot be discounted. And I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight. And I'm going close into my Climax of my message tonight, so hang on. It may be a little bit confusing here. It's even confusing me, so no, no. But, uh, but there are some things. I mean, gold is gold and, and, and people love gold and the Bible talks about a lot about gold. In fact, the Bible talks about the city of God in heaven someday will be made of gold and it's so pure that it's transparent. It's so pure. It's such pure gold. And we're going to see that. And uh, we're going to enjoy it according to how we serve Him here. The rewards in heaven includes our enjoying the things that God has got for us forever. Some things are worth more than gold. Let me tell you one. There was a girl one time, came to hear me preach. She was a graduate of Pensacola Christian College. And had, uh, had a tremendous job. She was a, really the leader of a big business. And she came to hear me preach with her husband. And I preached that night on what the Bible says about hell. And she got under conviction. And she went home and she told me later, she said, I knew when I got home that if I didn't get back to that church and get saved, I was going to die and go to hell. And so she came back to the church. And she was led to the Lord. She got saved and she becomes the leader, the really the leader, the, uh, the uh, operations of a great Christian ministry. And every time I see her, she says, now you know, Brother Clayton, it was through your preaching that I got saved. Now, I don't know about you now, I'm glad to have gold and use gold, and if I can use it well and good, that's fine. But I'll tell you what, that testimony, that girl to me, is worth more than gold. I'd rather have that than not have it and have all the gold in the world. Amen. You know, uh, the, uh, the testimony of people that love God and have followed the Lord... I heard a story of William Booth. I'm going to take time to tell you a few stories here tonight. So hang on now. I told you, I warned you when I got up here. It was going to be a little longer. But William Booth was the guy who started the Salvation Army. And they recorded one of William Booth's sermons. And a lot of us preachers have heard this part of his sermon about, he used an illustration about, and of course you know William Booth and the Salvation Army. But it started out as a street ministry winning people to Jesus Christ. It's changed over the years, but it was originally winning people to the Lord. And William Booth was a great soul winner. And William Booth said, told a story, he said, about, uh, to illustrate his, uh, his attitude toward winning souls to Christ and how valuable a soul was. He said, as a story, as an illustration, he said there was a ship. Coming into San Francisco's harbor from South America. And on that board that ship, there was a lot of miners who'd been down, down in Venezuela, I think he said, mining for gold. And they came back with their gold strapped to their bodies. You know, they didn't, and a pistol stuck in the belt by the gold to protect them. They're coming back to America with all that gold, almost more than they could carry, and they were going to be able to live in luxury for the rest of their lives. And as the boat pulled into San Francisco's harbor, it struck a reef and ripped a big hole in the side of the boat, and it started to sink, and the captain cried out, Abandon ship! Every man for himself! And he said those big gold miners were standing there. And they started grabbing anything they could grab, a plank or a boat or anything they could get into or on to swim to shore with all that gold. And he said there was one big strong gold miner standing there with the belts of gold around his waist. And he said a little lass of seven summers, is the way he said it, a little Seven year old girl came up to him and said, She looked up at him with blue eyes and her hair was blonde as gold. And she said to the gold miner, Sir, can you swim? And he said, I recollect I can swim. She said, Sir, I cannot swim. Would you save me? And he said, He looked down at the little girl and he knew that he could not save the blonde of her curls the gold of her curls and the gold around his waist so he unstrapped the gold about his waist and threw it in what william booth said was the briny the salty water he threw it in the, and grabbed her and strapped her little arms around his neck his neck and her little legs around his waist where he once strapped the gold and he dove into the water and was swimming toward the shore and she was hanging on. And he swum and swum. And sometimes they would be deluged with water. And it was almost like swimming underwater. But she held on. And he kept swimming until he was able to get handfuls of sand. And pull himself. Just totally exhausted. Up on the shore. And he fell his face in the sand. And heard the little girl say, Say, Sir, Thank you for saving me. William Booth made an application of that. He said, someday, when we get over on the other shore of heaven, he said, I wonder if somebody is going to come up and say to me, Sir, thank you for the gospel that saved me. Some things worth more than gold. And to that gold miner, the gold of the little girl's curls were worth more to him than the gold about his waist. And souls should be that for us. Amen? And what we're talking about here this week is rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. That's the old song we sing, is it not? Wow. We want to win souls to Jesus Christ. I'm praying right now that God will let me raise some money to build a dormitory and a Bible college in the Philippines. We've got 200 Bible college students. And they're sleeping an absolute swaller to be able to go to Bible college. They all have to sleep in the same room on the floor They don't even have mats to sleep on. There's 200 of them. And they have one toilet and one shower for all those boys. Can you imagine the difficulty of that? Those young men are real good young men. I mean, to go through that, they'd have to really mean business for God. Amen. I'm trying to raise some money for it. And I I invite your prayers to pray for me. If I can get probably 50 people to give me $10 a month, I'll be able to go there and build that building for $6,000 a year. That's not a lot of money, is it? But those young men going out and preaching the gospel to me is worth more than money or gold or anything else in this life. And you know what? As I said, I congratulate you on your mission giving because I know that souls that you're winning to Christ in all these countries, good night. I've preached in many of them. And I know what it's like uh, to preach in these countries, and I know the poverty in the nations, and I know the I know the need that is there, and I, I and almost all, most of these countries, I I have known some Christians that were serving the Lord under these flags, and you've helped them and you've blessed them, and I'll tell you it's worth more than gold. I congratulate you on that. In the year that is to come, here we're going to have the opportunity to invest. In something worth more than all the gold in the vaults. Uh, Down in Florida, I've told this before, maybe even here, but down in Florida we used to go down and stay. Uh, I would preach in churches around, but we would during the day fish uh, in the Florida Keys and have a great time. And uh, one place where we pulled a boat, a big Fisherman's boat, this family were, this man and his wife were professional fishermen. And we'd we'd go out with them. And down the canal, getting out in the ocean, we would go right by that uh, treasure hunter that uh, found that Spanish Attica, the name of the ship he found out in the Caribbean and found $300 million worth of gold. (laughs) He He was a treasure hunter. We'd go right by his boat. And uh, there's a museum, museum down there now that he has that you can go and see some of that gold. And that, that, that that's worth a lot, you know. And, it, it's, of course, it's brought him misery because Spain has sued him for all that money because they say it was theirs. But anyhow, it goes on, you know. But I'm saying that, you know what? The souls that we won to Jesus Christ in the Florida Keys preaching the gospel is worth more than all the money he found on the bottom of the of the sea out there close to where that boat went down. And it's worth more here than anything. Why? Because it produces and reproduces great rewards in heaven. And I want to preach about the the rewards before we're through here this week. Are you involved in this uh, good business of winning souls to Christ? If not, get involved for God this week. And God will bless you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I think a soul is worth more than the whole world to me. When someone to Christ. I think it's worth more than... It was, a soul is so important that Jesus was willing to die on the cross. The Son of God, the creator of all that we know, is willing to... Willing to die on the cross for each soul that's been saved. Let me ask you a couple questions, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing here in a few minutes. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed here tonight, let me ask you this. How many say, Brother Clayton, now, I I want you to participate in this, would you please? If it's true of you, I want you to raise your hand, okay? How many here tonight say, Brother Clayton, I'm involved... In the mission giving of this church. Would you slip up your hand as a testimony of that? Oh, well, that's good. Okay, thank you very much. How many here tonight say, Brother Clayton, I'm not involved, but I want to get involved. And I want you to pray for me. That somehow God will make it possible. Pray for me tonight. Slip up your hand tonight. How many? All right, that's some hands. God bless you. Amen. And I'm going to pray for you. Let me ask you this tonight. How many of you are saved, born again, and you know it? Slip up your hand tonight. Would you do that? You know it for sure. Thank you very much. God bless you. How many here tonight say, Brother Clayton, I'm not sure that heaven's my home. I'm not sure that God is my Father and Jesus is my Savior. But, preacher, I want to be. I want to be sure of all that, preacher. Pray for me tonight. Would you slip up your hand? How many? Yes, I see your hand. How many others? Just slip it up. Pray for me tonight. Pray for my soul tonight. I want to go to heaven when I die, but I'm not sure I'm going there. Pray for me tonight. You don't have to be a Baptist to know that. You don't. You don't. You don't have to be a rich man to know it. You don't have to be uh, a number of other things that we that we might be so inclined to appreciate in this America of ours. But but it's free to all, is what I'm saying, and you can have that wonderful assurance that I said is worth more to me than gold. How many here tonight say, Preacher, I'd like to have that pray from my soul tonight. All right, let's stand together as we pray, please. 560. In a moment, we're going to sing this song, but first, before it, we're going to pray. And I wonder if you'd like to pray with me tonight. Just slip out of your seat and come on down and pray with me around the altar. Maybe, uh, maybe God has laid something on your heart tonight that I didn't preach about at all, but you'd like to talk to the Lord about it. The altar's open. Or maybe you have in your heart someone that you're praying for, and you'd like to pray for them tonight. You come and pray for them tonight. Let's just kneel around the altar and pray tonight. I'll wait on you to get up here. Let's talk to the Lord tonight. Maybe you have a a burden on your heart that you'd like to share with the Lord tonight. You come. The Lord's going to meet you here and He's going to bless you here. This is prayer meeting night. Amen. Let's pray together before we go home. Our Heavenly Father, we pray tonight that You'd bless... Bless, I pray, this uh, invitation, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'd be especially with uh, with these here tonight that have a burden on their hearts to do more for the Lord in this coming year than they have in the past. God bless them for that tonight. Open the door for them to be able to do that. I pray, Heavenly Father, for those that have come and pray for some of their loved ones tonight, that you would... Uh, You would save those loved ones. I pray for others who have a burden on their heart, maybe about something I didn't preach about at all tonight, but You preached to them and You spoke to them, Father, and I I pray tonight that You'd bless them, Lord, this night in this invitation. And for those, Lord, among us that are not saved, I pray for their souls Lord, that they get saved, maybe even tonight. That they wouldn't go home without the Lord tonight. I pray this, Lord, in Your name and for Your sake tonight. Amen. The number is 560 in our songbook. I'd like for us to sing at least a couple verses of this song tonight. And uh, if you're here tonight and you have never been born again... I'd invite you to slip out of your seat and come and meet us here at the front. Meet the pastor here, and we'll take the Bible and show you how to get saved. And you can go away from this place knowing tonight that all is right between you and the Lord. As we sing this song, think about its words as well as the invitation we're giving tonight for your soul. We've a story to tell to the nations. That will turn their hearts to the right. A story of truth and mercy. A story of peace and light. A story of peace and light. For the darkness shall turn to dawning. And the dawning to noonday bright. And Christ's great glory shall come to earth, the glory of love and light. Second verse. Weave a song to be sung to the nation that shall lift their hearts to the Lord. A song that shall conquer evil and shatter the spirit sword, and shatter the spear and sword, for the darkness shall turn to dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright, and Christ's great glory shall come to earth, the glory of truth and light.